Can I give a level from you real quick? You can get a level from me. Tell a joke in your level. Level one. Level that was a level one joke. Ah. One being <laughs> safe. One being superior. And low. And low. On a scale from one to ten. No, it's ten one to one hundred. Just like wrist flies. <laughs> okay. Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. I'm Molly Nelson, the host of the podcast. I'm here with Rochelle Smith. She's the producer of the podcast. Also in the podcast room, Lauren Merkel, Sean Honkamp. They are both retirement income certified professionals and certified financial fiduciaries. And Sean is a CPA. Today, we are answering the web's most searched retirement questions. We turned to Google to find out what people are asking about retirement. And we were inspired for this podcast by something fun that Wired does. They sit celebrities down and they show them what people are Googling about them. So you guys have all done this. You've put something into the Google search bar and then sort of those predictive elements come up. So you might just put, actually, I typed in just to get us started, I put in hot dogs because that's what I fed my kids last night. <laughs> now, I don't know what that says about my parenting, but that's a whole nother therapy session podcast. <laughs> but, you know, it's a hot dogs near me, hot dogs in Des Moines. That's where we're podcasting from. Hot dogs in Spanish. So that's how the predictive, <laughs> the predictive questioning works. So the celebrities, they would put, what Jennifer Aniston? And it'd say, like, what does Jennifer Aniston eat? Where does Jennifer Aniston go in Mexico? When did Jennifer Aniston die? That's something that people Google. So if you're interested in what this looks like with the celebrities after you listen to this podcast, go ahead and check that out. But we know that if you're listening to this podcast right now, you're more interested in retirement than you are about celebrities, at least right this minute. So let's tell you what we put in the search bar and let's answer people's most searched questions on the web. So the first thing we typed in was, which retirement? which retirement, and then it finished it off with which retirement account to withdraw from first. Lauren and Sean, I suspect this is something you talk about daily. Yeah, it certainly is one of the topics. You know, you think about just the getting into the planning process as you get through your pre-retirement stage of life and into your retirement journey. This is new for you. So most people don't know what to do. They don't know how to even get money. They don't know which accounts um, it's not uncommon that they're not even sure what all type of accounts they have. Or we've talked in the past before about that junk drawer of retirement that a lot of families and individuals accumulate various accounts throughout their working career. So how to take it and where to take it from is certainly one of the conversations that we have with our families. And it starts with having that planning process, knowing what different type of tax accounts that you might have, whether it's the pre-tax, the tax-free, or the uh, tax deferred or the non-qualified, I guess, would be the, would the third bucket in there. So it just, you got to start with knowing what you have so that you know what options you have. You know, majority of retirement savings are in the pre-tax accounts. And if that's all you have, then your options are limited. And the, and the question around where to take money from, which accounts isn't as challenging. So just know what you have and start thinking about, you know, work, incorporate the tax plan and looking at all of that can help you identify where to take it from and where to start. It also depends on what phase of retirement of, of, of their retirement plan that they're in. We work with people who are within 10 years of retiring or already retired. So most of the time, people are going to come to us for to create their retirement plan a couple years out before retirement. So if they're two, three, four years out from retirement, this is not one of the first questions they have. One of the first questions they have is when can they retire and have the lifestyle that they want to? They, they want to know how to create tax diversification 
diversification within their portfolio. They want to know how to protect against long-term care. Do they need a will? Do they need to update their will? Do they need a trust? That kind of stuff. But as we get closer to retirement, then they really start to narrow in and think about where am I going to get this income from? They might have one account. They might have four accounts. So where are they going to take the income from? Uh, what are they going to do from a Social Security election standpoint? If they have a pension of the different pension options, what are, what are going to be their best pension selection options? And so as we get closer to retirement, they start thinking about these questions they've never had to answer before through the accumulation years. And this is where we can really add some value from a planning standpoint, because over the last few years, if we've helped them create some tax diversification, what that means is now they have different types of accounts that are going to be taxed differently when they withdraw money from those accounts. And this is where the strategy really comes into play in, in their early years of retirement, uh, because most people go to retirement thinking that they're going to take money from their 401k plan, they're going to take money from their pre-tax IRA, because that's what they've always been taught. But as we start working through their plan and they see what it would look like at, sh at, at the short term, but also long term by taking money from maybe a non-qualified account that they have and saving some of the tax brackets so we can engage in maybe some Roth conversions and other tax planning strategies to really mitigate the impact of their retirement tax bill and decrease the amount of overall taxes that they're going to pay throughout the course of their retirement and increase their spendable income, they start to realize there's a whole lot more to this retirement planning that they ever thought before. And it can be a real benefit to put together a, a comprehensive, cohesive strategy of which account to take money out of first and then also later on in retirement. And I got to think if someone's Googling this, they're thinking about doing it themselves. And I think what both of you said at least makes the makes a good argument for maybe not trying to do this yourself because you might find yourself paying a lot more in taxes than, than you really have to. And also, let's say you subscribe to some you know real simple theory of let's draw from the accounts that are lowest first or highest first. I mean, that just won't cut it. No, it, it typically doesn't just cut it. And one of the pieces of feedback we hear from a lot of people as we engage in the retirement plan is they say, you know what, we just didn't know what we didn't know. And when you think about anything that you do for the first time throughout the course of your life, do you ever do that the best? The answer to that most definitely is no. And you've never retired before. You've never had to make a Social Security election decision. You didn't know that there was up to 81 different election options when it comes time to take your Social Security. Uh, maybe you didn't understand how the state in, uh, income tax could apply to the income that you received. Maybe you didn't have a, a full comprehension of how the marginal tax bracket and the effective tax bracket that you'll encounter from a federal standpoint is going to impact your spendable income. There's just a lot of things that you've never had to encounter before. And that's where we really add the value is we can talk about the predictive, what did you say with the Googling, the predictive? Autocomplete. Autocomplete. So mm -hmm. we've done this before. We've done it a lot of times before. So we know some of the, the pitfalls that people can fall into. We know some of the things that, some of the mistakes that people have made before. So we can address those prior to the families that we work with going through that type of pain. And that's part of the benefit of us having retired essentially hundreds of times instead of one time. So we typed in which retirement in the Google search bar to see what people were looking up. The next one that came up was which retirement funds to invest in. Sometimes I feel like two people want a quick answer. Lauren, Sean, I just want to know which one. Tell me, is it, is it this company or that company or, or this type of a fund? Just, just give me a quick answer, guys. The best one. Oh, which one's that? Everybody wants the best one. I want the one that's going to make me easy. the most money with the least amount of risk. 
that's that that's perfect that sounds great (laughs) sign me up like the answers to all these questions though it is more complicated than that yeah just pick the one that's going to grow the most right that's right that's what we all want so yeah the the, the investment part is it it gets to be a lot of fun because that's the one that gets so much of the attention you think about what your what's your focus as you're working through that accumulation stage of life you know how much you're saving and it's easy to measure and see what what your accounts are doing as you work through your 20s, 30s, 40s, into your 50s. So that, that's where the focus is, and it's easy to measure. So uh, the, the focus we have as we work with families in that pre-retirement stage of life and throughout their retirement journey is that we want to have more transparency around how you are investing, um, help you have a better understanding of exactly how you're investing. Let's understand um, exactly what you own. Make sure you under, have a better feeling of how much risk you're taking on. So what we want to look at the entire landscape. You know, m- people are most familiar with mutual funds. That's what your employer plans um, and your 401ks, 403bs, everything. That's typically what the investment lineup is comprised of. So that's what people are most familiar with. And then a lot of times, you know, we get the question all the time that if we, if you have the option to move away from mutual funds or not use mutual funds, a lot of the times the question is, well, what else is there? And there's an entire world of investment options out there that are not mutual funds. So going back to the transparency aspect, mutual funds are not looked at as and to be considered the most transparent investment vehicles out there. So even the, the search results itself said funds. Well, that's, again, mutual funds. There are a lot of investment options out there that are not funds. So what we try to do is just, our job is education. We help inform and and educate the families that we work with to help them understand what else is out there, what else can they invest in. Uh, Make sure you understand the the purpose of them. Have better transparency or more transparency around these different options so that you can understand why you might choose to own certain investments and you can decide which ones are the best fit for your plan. Sean, and that's where a lot of people, as they go through our retirement planning process for the first time, they do get surprised. They get surprised about when we explain to them our investment philosophy, and really our investment philosophy is pretty simple, is when it comes down to selecting what types of investments are right for you, those investments need to be transparent. It needs to be transparent in the types of fees that you're paying. It needs to be transparent in what you actually own. And so when we tell people that we don't use mutual funds, almost categorically, we do not use mutual funds, they're surprised because they've grown up with mutual funds. Most people have 401ks that only allow mutual funds. Even in their IRAs, uh, most advisors will use mutual funds. And so we're sitting here on this side of of the table saying we don't use mutual funds. And then we start to go through that educational process of there's more hidden fees within most mutual funds than actually disclosed fees. Uh, It's very hard to determine or very hard to create a diversified portfolio with mutual funds because what do you actually own? If the mutual fund that you own owned Apple this morning, does it own Apple this evening? It's it's very hard to determine that because you can't really see what's underneath those mutual funds. And so we talk about that. And then we also talk about the philosophy of let's start with how much risk you feel comfortable with. So we look at, we use technology to help identify this. We look at how much risk do they need to take to accomplish their retirement objectives and then balance that with how much risk they feel comfortable with. And then we devise that portfolio around that. Molly, I was really impressed when he said, let's take the least amount of risk and get the most return possible. Because essentially that is what we do. When we construct (laughs) these portfolios, we identify how much risk they need to take, how much risk they feel comfortable with. And let's settle on that risk 
And then based on that risk, let's get the most return for that amount of risk that we that we absolutely can. And the way we can do that is through uh, minimizing the investment fees uh, by using investments that are transparent in costs and are low cost types of investments. And then also uh, making sure that we are truly diversified to get as much return for the amount of risk we're willing to take. And, and Lauren, how often do we hear that people are always w- willing to take a lot of risk? And that works out really well when the markets are doing well. Right. Uh, but it's a different feeling when the markets are coming down and you can measure your balances again and you see how much they're coming down. So it's one thing to talk about. It's a different thing to be involved with our families as we're seeing the market correction time periods and being able to talk with them. And then we get a real sense of, well, how are you reacting to this? Is Are you looking at this daily? Which a lot of people do. The most people are looking at their balances daily. And we get to get a better sense of, well, is this keeping you up at night? Or do you have any concerns? Do you feel like your risk appetite's changing? And that's where we can make adjustments as we continue to manage the plan for our families throughout their retirement journey. The next thing that came up was which retirement account is best. And I'm going to take it a step further because we might have maybe a little nugget for someone that's listening that's getting close to retirement and maybe they feel like they're just not quite there yet. Do you guys sit down with people and often advise them to add one account? Or is there one account you kind of see missing or one investment that you often say, if we just add this piece to the portfolio, I think we can get you to those retirement goals? I'd say yes to both of that. I mean, I I think about as you... Ask that question, I'm thinking about this on two different levels. One, I'm I'm thinking about the type of account registration, and I think that that's kind of what this Google question goes to, what retirement account, not investment, but what retirement account is the best. And then, Molly, the way you position that question is also, is there one particular investment or uh, asset class or or something of, of that nature that we could add to help diversify the portfolio and mitigate the impact of, of market risk. So yes, to both of those, most of the time, and this is where we work on the tax diversification because the most uh, prominent type of retirement account people use is the pre-tax account. That's what people grew up with the 401k plan, just putting money in every pay period. But then also when they retire, they'll roll that over to the IRA. So the 401k, the IRA is the most common, uh, but those are all taxed the same way. And it's taxed at your ordinary income tax bracket. So you retire, you take money out of it, you're paying at your at, at whatever tax bracket that you're in. And there's a lot of other types of accounts that you can use to produce retirement income. So that would be the non-qualified account where you're taxed on capital gains and qualified dividends at a capital gains rate, which is less than your ordinary income rate. Uh, there's also the Roth where you're not taxed at the federal level and most states are not taxed in the Roth as well. So those are different types of retirement accounts that most people don't have a good balance and some people don't have exposure to any of those. And especially in the early years of the pre-retirement phase and even as we go through retirement, even past our MD age, required minimum distribution age, which is now 72, we're still working on enhancing that balance between those different types of accounts to help decrease the overall retirement tax bill. And then the second element of that is the investment piece. Uh, Most people have mutual funds. Most people are heavily weighted towards one sector of those mutual funds. A lot of times it's the large caps, uh, large company stocks. And so we need to create more diversification to help them accomplish their goals as well. And there's a whole host of other types of investment vehicles that they have exposure to outside of the employer plan world that they never had exposure to before. You might be wondering about your accounts. Are you diversified? Here's a great opportunity to talk to a retirement planner no matter where you live. 
It's a 15-minute complimentary retirement checkup call. Go to MerkleRetire.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E Retire.com. You'll get linked directly to the calendar of the retirement planners here at Merkle Retirement Planning, and you can schedule your checkup call today. Back to Google. All right, we put something else different in the search. What social security? So the first thing that came up, what social security benefits are taxable? You spent a lot of time, you spent part of your career anyway, Sean, filing taxes on behalf of others. You should know the answer to this one pretty well. Yeah, the taxability of Social Security is definitely a question that comes up a lot. Um, it, it's different. It's tax advantaged in, in a different way than any of your retirement accounts or your investment balances. So there's there's a provisional calculation behind Social Security, which really can get complicated. We might have to do, might Michelle, have to do a strap bar. in for this one. <laughs> Molly, you did ask a CPA. Oh, man. I, so you I, know, I should have gone to you first, Merkel. <laughs> he's got a calculator. No, he doesn't even need a calculator. What am I talking about? He's not using a calculator. He's doing the numbers in his head. Oh, boy. This Okay. All all right, I'm ready. So if you flip to page 653 <laughs> in the IRS code, um, it, it details out. So I'll start here at paragraph one. Um, but, but really, the at its highest, 85% of your Social Security benefit can be subject to tax. Um, in its best case, it can be completely tax-free. So there's a range where it is tax advantage different than the other accounts. So um, that's part of what we do. You know, nobody wants to spend their time at home doing this provisional calculation <laughs> to figure out what Social Security or how much of it's going to be taxable. But it's certainly something we factor into our plan so that we have a better sense of knowing exactly how much people are going to receive and how much of that they're going to be in a position that they get to spend. But the fact that it is taxable at all is sometimes a surprise to people, right? Yeah, it certainly is. You know, and, and there are different features, you know, whatever for the federal level, depending on what state you're in, the, the state tax varies um, between uh, obviously the 50 states. So yeah, we want to understand what that looks like. And, and we're going to help people as always understand what that means to their plan. Next, we typed in what social security and what came up was what social security do I get when I retire? Is it surprising to people what they get? Sometimes it is. I mean, the important part is to answer that question individually for everybody. And the answer is a little bit different. Social security does represent a good portion of many people's retirement, somewhere between 25 to 35%. And the thing is, is what's surprising for a lot of people is if you add up their monthly projected benefits over the course of their projected retirement, it can, in many cases for married couples, equate to over a million dollar lifetime benefit. So for single individuals, uh, easily over a $500,000 benefit, that's surprising. Most people do not look at Social Security as potentially a million dollar retirement type of portfolio. Um, and so it's it's substantial. And, and are we talking about, sorry, a, an average couple here? Or are you talking about real high wage earners? No, no, no. This is this is an average couple. It's not. And, and part of what we do for our families as we build out their retirement plan is we run them a Social Security analysis. Again, I mentioned there's up to 81 different options that people have to elect from. So we need to narrow down that 81 different options to a more manageable subset of options that they can actually use to help make confident decisions around their social security election. So as we, as we do that analysis, we can project what their uh, lifetime social security income is going to be. If they elect the, the option that's going to provide them with the least amount of lifetime social security income, it could be a, a lot of times somewhere around 900000 If they, they elect the social security option that's going to provide them with the highest, the most amount of social security income, it could be somewhere between a million to $1.1 million. So we see that on a regular basis. So this is a, a big decision. It's a permanent decision. Once they elect it, they only have 12 months to rescind that decision before it becomes permanent. So so we consider this high stakes. 
And most people don't realize they have so many options. Most people don't realize it's going to provide that kind of lifetime benefit for them. So one of the things that we encourage people to do is go to the Social Security website, ssa.gov. They can make an account, they can log in, and they can identify here's what Social Security benefits they would receive if they started taking them at 62 right away. Well, here's what benefits they'd receive if they took it at their full retirement age or even age 70. But more importantly, they can check what reported earnings are have been tied to their account. It's not uncommon that we do see mistakes on their reported earnings. So Social Security in their, in their equation will use your top 35 wage earning years to determine how much you're going to receive from a Social Security standpoint. So go to ssa.gov, create an account, and make sure that the reported 35 earnings or how many years you've, you've worked, uh, that those earnings are reported correctly. And if there's a mistake, you can correct it. But if they are accurate, then you have a better idea of what your potential benefits could be at any one of those ages that, is, that are listed. What Social Security benefits does a widow receive? This can be a unique situation, and, and everybody's life events are different. And, and sometimes you do just need to get directly to Social Security or a retirement planner to understand what your option looks like. So under, uh, under the typical situation, you can elect benefits at the earliest age of 62. Um, when you do our, you know, when we do have a widow or widower situation, age 60 comes into play. So you can start receiving benefits as early as age 60. Um, but you do want to understand, again, what your situation looks like, depending on what your age is at the time that you want to elect. It still is going to impact the amount of the benefit that you receive, and then potentially does that get reduced based on your age. Um, it, can, it can put you in a position where you it may make sense for your plan to elect widow benefits, allow your primary Social Security amount to continue to grow, you know, well beyond 62, maybe to full retirement age, possibly all the way out to age 70. And then you are able to receive the widow benefits for a number of years, receive that income and include that, incorporate that into your plan, allow your main or primary insurance to grow until that future time. And you're going to receive that higher benefit. So in that type of situation, again, the biggest thing is just to understand what those options look like um, and, and know exactly what option is the best fit for your plan. Next up on the web's most searched retirement questions, we typed in how does retirement income, the first thing that came up is, how does retirement income work? Okay, Sean and Lauren, we do have a timeline on this podcast, so... <laughs> I know this is the, the piece of the puzzle that you help people put together every day when you're meeting with families and individuals, but we're going to have to give people some nuggets they can take away in the podcast. And this is kind of an odd autocomplete because how does retirement income work? I don't know. There's a lot of different ways that retirement income can work. Uh, one of the questions we get around retirement income, and again, this is from that seg segment of people who are in the retirement phase where now they're retiring. They need to really identify where this income is going to come from, and they're curious about all the specific details. So the first thing that comes to my mind is when you retire, you are going to need some income. It's not going to come from your employer anymore. You have some different investment accounts. You have Social Security, maybe a pension. So we need to identify how much money do you need need to receive on a monthly or yearly basis. And then from the other different resources that you have, what's the best combination of income 
coming from these different sources when it comes to taking income from your investments uh, is flexible. So you can structure this income to come once a month. You can structure this income to come twice a month. You can do it once a year. However you want to do that, you can structure that income to fit within your lifestyle and budgeting style. And then you can change it. So you can change it anytime you want to. And if you need a lump sum, which most retirees do over the course of their retirement, whether it's to buy a car or fix a roof or go on a big trip, you're going to need a lump sum in addition to your regular monthly distributions. That's easy. Our families call us and they say, I need an extra $10,000. I need $40,000 to put up a building. That happened just yesterday. Uh, Family needs $40,000. They're putting a building on their farm. So let's send out the $40,000 and then it's our job to determine which account is the best account to take that from, from a tax standpoint, uh, from a longevity standpoint. There's a lot of factors that go into that and we handle that. So they were not worried about all that because they know we do that. And that's part of the services that we offer as a part of putting their plan together and then helping them live their retirement dreams. And developing an income plan is one of the components of your retirement plan that we help our families build. They've never had to do that before. You've never had to do that before. Your income plan while you're working is make as much as you can and try to get raises and promotions. Right. You're paid by the employer. Absolutely. Generally, they write the checks unless you're self-employed. Yeah. Yeah. So what is an income plan and how does retirement income work is one of the biggest questions that we we get and, and help our families with. It's identifying the right accounts, and it makes it makes me just think about so many so much of what we do overlaps. You know, even these questions they, they overlap. So, how does retirement income plan work? The decisions you make for the, the given year, or say let's say for the current year, those aren't the decisions we just want to stick with, and we use that throughout retirement. We you may want to make different decisions next year. We want to keep you know stay aware of tax law changes, let legislative changes. Um, performance in the stock markets, you know, how are your different accounts doing? So there's a lot of moving pieces to it. We often talk about how we're just helping our families piece the puzzle together of their retirement plan. This is definitely one of the important parts. And speaking of things that overlap, the next question is a great example of that. What comes up when you type in how does retirement income? Well, it finishes it with affect Medicare. And we know that your income has a big impact on what you pay for what just the basic Medicare plan. Which is why we work with our director of Medicare quite quite a bit, Anna Marie Morrow, and she uh, helps us from a Medicare standpoint, Medicare planning standpoint, de- derive what income strategy is going to be the best. Again, if we, if we, if you have been effective in creating tax diversification, you have more control over what level of tax you're going to pay more so than you've ever had before. When you're working, you're making the W-2 income and your goal, as Sean mentioned, is to make as much as you can. Uh, But all of that is taxable at your ordinary income in most cases. In retirement, structure your income in a good way, then you can really control the level of income tax that you pay, which also means you can potentially control the level of payment that you are responsible for for your Medicare Part B costs. So as an example, if you're a married couple and if your taxable or actually if your modified adjusted gross income is above about 190000 then instead of paying 177 a month for Medicare Part B, you could be paying closer to $236 a month. Now, that's not a surprise that most, most retirees want to walk into. It's one thing if you're intentionally doing some tax planning, you know that's a consequence, and you weigh that into the pros and cons, and you, you're going for that, and that works. It's a whole other thing if that's a surprise. So your Medicare Part B cost can cost 
anywhere between 177 a month upwards to over $550 a month. So the level of income that you have coming in can impact your Medicare, and that's something that you need to take into consideration as you construct your tax and income plan. If you want more information on Medicare, we've got a great place to go. It's YouTube. Then type in Merkel Retirement Planning, M-E-R-K-L-E. We have the director of Medicare that you talked about there, Lauren Anne-Marie Morrow. She's got some videos on there. There's a great one called Medicare Mysteries and Misconceptions. Say that 10 times fast. And another episode called Medigap versus Advantage Plans. One more question about retirement income we want to get to is how does retirement income affect Social Security? There goes that overlap again in this, in this comprehensive plan. Yeah, exactly right. Just the overlap. So the, the amount of income that you're going to show during retirement does impact the taxability of Social Security. So while you're receiving Social Security benefits, we, we mentioned it before, this provisional calculation. Oh, he's getting out that giant book yes. again, oh, Rochelle. Wow. We're into oh, you're awake. Yep. Yeah, we're well tax into, codes, tax laws coming at you. We're well, we're well beyond page 1,000 now, so <laughs> right. we're really making good progress. But at a very high level, the, this provisional calculation, they factor in 50% of your Social Security benefit they add in all the other income that you're showing at that time, and that is the calculation that determines how much of your Social Security is subject to tax. The range is anywhere from zero to 85%. So wh why this is important is that we factor all this in when we help our families determine when exactly it makes sense for them to elect Social Security. So again, you've got that eight-year range from 62 to 70 for when you can typically elect Social Security. You may not want to do it in those first couple of years of retirement. That might position you to have more efficiency within your tax plan and give you opportunities to potentially do Roth conversions and, and take advantage of the current tax environment that you, that you have in front of you. Um, and so if you're able to delay your Social Security a couple more years, improve your plan. You know, you, you've heard us mention efficiency several times. So making these different decisions can allow you to be most efficient with all the assets you've accumulated through your, through your working part of your career. And then if you allow Social Security to grow, now you're beyond full retirement age, maybe all the way out to 70. You, that benefit's going to grow. It would get a guaranteed 8% growth each year from full retirement age to age 70. Income, you know, the more income, the more Social Security benefit you can get. That's still a good thing for your plan. If you have questions about your specific retirement situation, here's a great opportunity. It's that 15-minute retirement checkup call. It's complimentary. And no matter where you live, you can give us a call. That's the great thing about it. So here's the website, MerkleRetire.com, M-E-R-K-L-E, Retire.com. There's a calendar right there. You click on it. You can find your day and your time and talk to a retirement planner about your retirement vision. We'll continue talking about all of the aspects of retirement on this podcast. It's retiring today. Tell a friend and subscribe. Thanks for listening. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC.